This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. There is a war for our minds and we are going to talk about what is coming for us because I think these are things most of us don't even notice. Hey guys, it has been an incredible week since the Get Out of Your Head book came out. We cannot thank you enough for the ways that you have shared about it online. You've left reviews. Stephanie on Amazon said, I call this a resource because it uses scripture, truth, and facts, actually real neuroscience, to help us in a practical way to get unstuck. You won't regret buying and reading this book. It will stick with you and change your thought process daily. Thank you guys so much for leaving all of those reviews, and we want you to read it as you listen to the podcast. So make sure to grab a copy and join Jenny today as she talks about the first enemy of our mind, noise. All right, so let me set this up. We're going to talk about the seven enemies that are coming for us in our generation. We're going to talk about everything from anxiety to victimhood to noise. And that's what we're going to start with this week. I want to talk about noise because it's the most obvious and it's coming for every single one of us. We live in the noisiest generation that has ever been. No generation has had to deal with more inputs than ours. So what does it look like to shift the spiral? And I want to define the spiral. So throughout the book, the idea of a spiral is how we have actually built out all of these chapters. So when you look at this chapter on stillness, you're going to see the spiral that says discontent is this emotion I feel. And then the thought that you have is I'll feel better if I stay distracted. And we're watching the spiral of an emotion hitting a thought, a thought hitting a behavior, a behavior hitting a relationship. And those spirals are going through our minds all the time. And what God wants to do is he wants to shift the spiral from a negative spiral that's spiraling down. He wants to shift it to one that's going up, one that is going toward him. But that interruption and that distraction that constantly has you pulling away from God, that distraction is our responsibility. We have a choice to change the way we think, but we have to choose it. I tell my kids this all the time, but I think sometimes we need a parent telling us the same thing, bossing us around just a little bit. And so I'm going to boss you around in these weeks because so much, in fact, the reason we named it Get Out of Your Head was because when we were thinking about a title, I said, you know, the thing that that I want to happen is I want to be able to grab everybody by their shoulders and speak as clearly and boldly as I can to them. Because in the midst of a spiral that's been constant in your life, you need somebody to just grab you by the shoulders and, and say, hey, stop. Like you don't have to do this anymore. And so that's going to be a lot of how I speak to you. So bear with me. I'm a really nice person in real life, <laughs> but I care about you and I want you to be free. And so I want you to picture me right now, grabbing you by the shoulders and saying to you, looking you in the eyes and saying, you have a choice. You don't have to spiral out. We can set up things that can limit our time on Instagram. We can set up things that limit the noise in our lives, but we have to choose it. We have to choose it. And ultimately, we have to choose the truth. 
the truth that is going to cut through the noise, that is going to cut through the lies, because all that noise isn't ambient random noise. That noise is feeding us lies. It's feeding us ideas about our worth, ideas about what we need to be happy, ideas about our relationships. It's not like that noise is just subtle background noise, elevator music. That noise is telling us things, and most of what it's telling us is lies. And so we have to see it that way. We've got to do a better job of surveying our lives, noticing our inputs, and noticing the things that we're believing because of those inputs. My daughter, Kate, you all know Kate, if you've been at the podcast for long. If you don't, go back and listen to her episodes. They're incredible. My daughter, Kate, she's 18, and she is so zealous about this. She's better than me about this. She will take social media, Instagram, everything off of her phone and leave it off unless she wants to share something, a post or something. She'll she'll put it on and she'll scroll and see what her friends are up to. But she generally has it off of her phone. And I think of it, both my older kids are good at this. I think of it like old money and new money. You know, the idea of new money is that you just blow it all at once. And that's kind of how our generation has been with our phones and with technology. We have just overdone it. And I think this generation coming has watched their parents do that and they've watched themselves and the temptation that this is and they are aware this is toxic and dangerous. They are aware that they are filling their minds with lies and that it is affecting their generation. My other daughter who wanted Instagram so badly was begging me for it, begging me for it, begging me for it. Finally, I sent her an article and I said, I'm going to tell you really clearly why I'm not giving this to you. When she read the article about mental illness and Instagram and comparison in this younger generation, she quit asking. She didn't want it. Now, years later, she has it, but she wasn't as eager to have it when she realized that's the reason her friends are depressed. That's the reason her friends are anxious. And we've got to be better surveyors of our life. But we also have to be better fighters for the truth. All of us have a choice when we wake up in the morning. In fact, I told the story in the book about waking up in the morning and immediately spiraling out because I had the thought, I need to spend time with Jesus, and instead I picked up my phone. That is all of our realities every single morning. We always have a choice. And the reason it's urgent that we spend time with Jesus is not because there's some angel in heaven like checking off. Did she spend time with Jesus today? Did she spend time with Jesus today? It is because we are at war. And we need the truth in our minds first. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who God is. We need to know what the point of our lives are before we head into him every day. We need to have truth so clearly before us that when we see other inputs coming our way and when we're onslaughted by all this noise, we can sort out the lies and the truth. When the truth is set before our minds completely clearly, this is who God is. This is what is true. Then when a lie comes, we notice it's a lie. We know how to fight it. We know what's true. That is why God wants time with us. It's not so that we know more and more and more about God. It's that we can fight better, that we can actually live the things that we know about God better. But we have to know them first. We can't just expect God to fight for us when the main way he is fighting for us is through his word. It says that his word is this two-edged sword, that it cuts through marrow, that it cuts through bone, that it pierces our soul, that there's nothing else that has the power to do that. The word of God can, can change us. It says it will never return void, that it will always enter us and change us. Connection with God is the foundation for every other God-given tool we're going to talk about that we have to fight with. We cannot know God. We cannot give God. We cannot rest in God. We cannot find hope without time with him. That is how we get God. We need stillness with God. We don't just need mindfulness. 
I mean, that was the the lack I saw in the self-help world. I read a lot of those books and they were so interesting and fascinating, but I always wondered like, how do they actually think this works when the answer in their book was how awesome we are? I'm like, eh, I'm not that awesome. Like that falls apart pretty quickly. Or when the answer is just be still and think about your thoughts. I'm like, well, that falls short if you don't have hope. Y'all, that's why I love Jesus. That's why I preach the gospel. That's why I don't, shouldn't be found in the self-help section because my books aren't that much about self-help. They're about God help. They're about how he has helped us and the tools and the power that he's given us. Yes, to make our own choice, but with his power, with his weapons, with his truth. Yes, there are methods in psychology that are truly helpful, but almost every one that's actually helpful is rooted somewhere in the Bible because God built our brains because he designed them. Our minds are actually physically built for silence, the way God designed us. Your brain actually physiologically alters. Scientists have found that brains of the people who spend hours in prayer and meditation alone are different. Your imagination gets rewired. When you're relaxed, anxiety and depression actually decrease. Several studies that demonstrated that subjects who meditated for a short time showed increased alpha waves, the relaxed brain waves, and decreased anxiety and depression. You guys, this changes our brains. And so yes, what scientists discover about them happen to reflect the brilliance and power of that design that God built. So you ready? I'm going to mama bear you. I want you every single day. I want you to put your Bible by your bed and I want it to be what you read before you grab your phone. I want you to read it every single day because it matters that much. Because this is how we go to war. This is how we fight better. In the middle of the night, I told you about that season of doubt. And in the middle of the night, one thing I did was I bought this little light that could clip on my Bible. And I put my Bible by my bed and I put that little light on it because I didn't want to wake up my husband, but I just had to start reading truth. And so what I would do is I would go to a Psalm that I love that my kids had memorized when they were young at their school. And I wanted to memorize as well. And so I would open it up to Psalm 139. And it talks about if you go down to the pit, if you go down to Sheol, he is there. And if you ascend to the heavens, he is there, that there is nowhere you can go away from God. And that comforted me because my fear was in the middle of my doubt was that he wouldn't be in death, that he wouldn't be in the grave, that it would just fade to black. And, and guys, I had to fight that with truth. And so fast forward, I'm in Uganda with some dear friends and I'm sitting because I've fixated on that scripture. I'm sitting in a devotional staff devotional. With Food for the Hungry, their entire team was in there, all local Ugandans and South Sudanese refugees that that serve up there in northern Uganda. And I'm sitting in this office, I mean, way off the beaten path of life. I mean, we're talking like took a little small little plane to get out there and a bus after that. And we were just in the middle of nowhere. And guess what they opened to in the middle of my war with my mind? He opens to Psalm 139 and he reads specifically that part of the passage. And guys, I start weeping. Because I know that God is fighting for me. How did he fight for me? With his word. He fought for me with his word. That is how God is fighting for you right now. That book that you are you feel burdened by, that you think, oh, it's an obligation. I have to do that. No, you know, I've got too much to do. That book is God fighting for you. Fighting for you to be more free. Fighting for you to know him more and his love for you more. Fighting for you to understand how much he has done and how much he wants to do for you. That's that's what this is. And so when we receive that, there is a relationship that's built. It's not about us checking something off a list. It's like, gosh, my God is there. I want to be with him. I want to know him. 
Psalm 8410 says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Do we believe that? Do we believe that time with God is better than any other place we could be? It is. The only place I have ever felt true peace, it is with God, and especially peace in the midst of difficulty, but even peace in the midst of a mourning or anxious thoughts or worry. Y'all, pulling out, when I say get out of your head, I don't mean get out of your head into nothingness. I mean get out of your head into a relationship with God. And when we put God and fixate Him in the center of our mind, then there is this accountability. Because guess what? God knows every thought we think before we think it. Psalmist says. So we have a God that knows our thoughts already. He's in them with us. And we have to realize that that should bring some accountability and it should also bring some companionship, right? Like we are not alone in our own thoughts. God is with us in them. And he's not angry at us about them. He just desperately wants us to be free of the lies that we are choosing to believe. Some of you don't know this, but God really likes you. Like he likes you. I think about my son in the morning when he has been a brat the day before, but he comes down and he's going to ask for breakfast and he's 11 years old and he's just hard and I love him so much, but you know, he's just, he gets in trouble. And so he's coming down for breakfast and I, he turns the corner and you know what I feel almost every time he turns that corner is how much I like him. I like him. I like him. I don't just love him. I don't just need him to do something for me. I don't, I like him. And I think that's the thing we miss about God is that he likes us. Yes, he's fighting for us. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he sent his son to die for us. But he also delights over us. And I think as we fixate on that, all of a sudden we want to be with that God. We want to enjoy him. We want to experience his delight over us. And we want to be with him. My daughter is so great. She, Kate, I know y'all think she's like the greatest kid that ever was. And I have to say, as her mom, she's not perfect. The kid has some nearly fatal flaws as far as being late to things and things like that. But she is an incredible kid. And and the reason she's so great is because she has walked through a season of doubt and realized that God is true, too. And I just want to tell you that, that this isn't like some great parenting skill set that got Kate where she is. This is her own faith journey that she had to go through with God. And what Kate will do when she's going through a dark season is she won't watch Netflix. She won't listen to podcasts, she will just turn on sermons. And she lets these pastors, there's about a handful of them, fight for her. And she listens to them. And she listens to truth because she knows if I watch Netflix right now, I'm going to fill my head with more lies. And so a 17 year old, I mean, you can imagine how convicted I am. I walk in at nine o'clock at night, and she's in her bed. And I think she's watching Netflix. And I look and she's watching sermons. Like this is how Kate is who she is, is because she will not settle to be stuck in bondage. She allows people to fight for her. She allows God to fight for her because she puts truth in. She doesn't just listen to lies all day long. She knows the value of inputs. We have to realize the value of our inputs. And we have to realize that whether or not we're choosing them, they're coming for us in the form of lies all day, every day. And guys, this also applies to our kids. We got to fight for them. They're getting inputs every single day, all day long. My sweet 11-year-old boy goes to a public school and you cannot believe he's such a talker. He comes home and tells me everything that he's heard that day. And I'm like, this is worse than an X-rated movie. Like this is fifth grade at public school. My kid is being bullied on certain days. I'm sure my kid is bullying on certain days, but I'm just saying the inputs in his life are legit. They're dark and they're legit. And all of our kids are fighting more darkness than we can understand. And we've got to fight for them. How do we fight for them? We give them the same truth that we have to have. We sit 
over them. We read scripture over them. Yesterday morning, Cooper had had a bad day at school and I pulled him on my lap. I said, I want to tell you, I've been praying for you. And I know we talk about Jesus a lot, but I want to tell you about grace again. Because grace has changed my life. And I think it is the greatest gift that God's given us. And I just started talking him through it. And I said, today, when you feel frustrated with people and you feel bullied, I want you to think about grace. Like, I just want you to think how much God likes you and that that's enough. And, you know, I think he was distracted, but I'm fighting for him anyway. I mean, that's what we've got to do. We've got to fight for ourselves and we've got to fight for our people. Okay, Jenny, I have a few questions for you, but before we get there, I want to tell you guys about Pine Cove Camps. We decided to partner with Pine Cove this season because I worked at Pine Cove all the way through college, and I can vouch for them personally. Pine Cove Camps is Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun. Their whole mission is the gospel, is Jesus, and is your kids having fun in a safe environment, getting to connect with other kids. And so, We can't wait to tell you more about them this season, and they have offered a $250 off for you if you're a first-time overnight youth camp registration. So use the code Jenny250 at pinecove.com slash youthcamp. We know that you won't regret it. Sending your kid to summer camp is just one of the ways that you can fight for them. So Jenny, we're talking about spending time with God, reading our Bible, and I know for me personally and for a lot of us, we want that. We want to open our Bible, but just the thought of like where to start is overwhelming sometimes. So just give us some ideas of like what we should do when we feel like that. Like we want to read our Bible so bad, but don't know where to go. Okay. So it's hysterical. I just did this Insta story on my quiet time backpack and the things I have in it. And I think that matters. You gotta kind of start with a few tools and make it easy for yourself. Beth Moore has a little box that she keeps and I have a backpack where it's just easy. Everything's together. You have your pens, you have your headphones, you have a highlighter. And so I think that's a starting place is just build whatever that looks like for you. If it's beside a chair, I like to go into nature. I like to go in my car sometimes, or sometimes it's downstairs. Sometimes it's in my bed, but I can just take that backpack wherever I go. And so within that is just a few simple things, a journal, a Bible and a pen and a highlighter and my headphones. So that's what's in the backpack. I actually did an Insta story about it and everybody was like, gosh, save it to your profile because they loved like seeing the pins I use and all that. I am really hyper picky about all those things. <laughs> so you can go check that out. It's on my profile on Instagram if you care. But some of you are like, just keep it simple. What it what I do is I sit down and I first I'll read a scripture. Sometimes on certain days, I'll listen to it. Sometimes I'll listen to it and read it. I have something called Dwell app that reads in incredible voices, the scripture, and I'll just bring it to life, especially if I'm in a book or a passage that I'm uber familiar with. I'll just listen to how it's read and it, I can receive it differently. And so Dwell app is a great app if you don't have it. It's a, it's a cost of about $20 a year. And then I have my Bible and I will typically work through a book. So recently I worked through the book of James and I just read a few verses. I rarely will read a whole chapter in a day. I usually feel my, my point in spending time with Jesus is connection with him, but also life change. And so I rarely feel like I can apply a few verses. So I don't really try to dissect a whole chapter usually, unless it's just so fascinating and I find myself continuing to read. But lots of times I'll just block a little passage and I'll write that passage at the top of my journal. And then I'll mention things that I learned from it. So, and I'll have a few takeaways and that's as simple as it is. Now, when I'm studying in a deeper way, 
which I often do on Wednesdays. I'll I'll get away and I'll really dig in and I'll pull out my commentaries and all of that. I will look at context of the book or things about that. And I usually end up finding, I'm a super curious person. So I'll usually find myself becoming curious and wanting to understand what was James thinking when he wrote this? He sounds kind of harsh. Like I want to understand what, where, where's James coming from? Who is James? Like I'll do that research kind of naturally. But some of you don't know where to find that research. And a great free website is called Precept Austin. And it has a lot of the best commentaries there. And you can put in the passage at the top. I used this for years before I had Logos. Logos is a great one too, if you can afford it. And I certainly depend on it now. But um, in the beginning, I just used Precept Austin and I just put in the scripture And then you can see all about that scripture and find commentaries to go with it. I know it can be intimidating. Some of you have never been in church. Some of you have never had anybody hold your hand and disciple you and say, this is what, how you read your Bible. And I get it. It is intimidating. So what I always tell people, if this is your first time and you're just starting is open to the book of John. It is all about Jesus. And it was written by one of his dearest friends and disciples. So you can just know the context immediately off the bat, what it is. It's a gospel that describes who Jesus was. It's about his entire life. So that's a great place to start. Hey, pull out your copy of the Get Out of Your Head book and read along with us. Starting next week, we are going to cover chapter nine and talk about the enemy of our mind that is isolation. If gathering is coming, we're almost there. You have to sign up if locals are popping up all over the world. But if there's not one in your city, guess whose job it is? All you have to do is sign up and say, I'm willing to host in my home, in my church, and gather your people. So sign up today. I'm telling you what, there is nothing more beautiful than all over the world, all of us as women worshiping God together for two days. So be a part, February 7th and 8th. Do not miss it. Go sign up at ifgathering.com.